0: Hi, my name is Richard.
1: Hi, my name is Lucy. Welcome to the Tech Chats podcast. Go.
0: So Lucy, I've got some very exciting news. What is it? We're going to be talking about APAC startups. Yay!
1: Yay. Uh, not just startups, right? We're going to talk about unicorns.
0: Yes, unicorns. So obviously the overhyped unicorn status where a startup is above a billion dollars. Um, yeah, that's right. But it's just easier to classify it if we just say unicorns because otherwise people are going to be like, that's not a unicorn. That's not, that's sort of tiny or I don't know, like some other mumble jumble.
1: But yeah, I really like the name unicorn. It's like, you actually like it. Why not? It's like, it sounds so mysterious and powerful.
0: I mean, it's meant to be like the whole unique factor of like, this is like so rare that. Like it becomes, it's a unicorn. But now, funny enough, there's so many unicorns. It's it's not as rare as before, right?
1: Well, they're all spreading around in the different forests in Asia and the United States. Yes,
0: exactly. So I'm pretty excited to kind of cover off. Like we're gonna go through four some four of the unicorns that in APAC have made a name for themselves. Some are big. Some are big. Big. Some are big. Small. Sorry. Some are a bit small and. I'm pretty excited to cover a variety of that because I just I just don't want to like cover off your big ones, right? Because I kind of want to see a bit of variety, looking at some of the smaller ones that just hit the unicorn status, as well as some of the bigger ones that managed to take down, for example, Uber. So I'm pretty excited. Do you want to go? Let's get straight into it, right?
1: Yeah. Um. So what are the ones we are talking about?
0: So the first one I think I want to talk about is I kind of want to talk about Canva because I think Canva is obviously being Australian grown. Um. I'm very, I'm, I'm pretty uh, comfortable with their story with Melanie Perkins and how initially she raised her um, startup from the ground and the whole story. Like, like it's really interesting how. (laughs) Let's
1: let's take a step back here for for just for a sec, just for the viewers who don't really know what Canva does. Could you just give us a brief overview of? what what it provides
0: so canva is a startup that focuses around providing easy and really simple graphic designs but that you can create yourself so it's kind of competing with the whole adobe kind of focus where adobe is like super complicated or you can take you have to take lessons and hours to learn it Whereas canva is very like intuitive you log on you can create a design for like say your facebook post and then you can do it in like maybe less than five minutes and you're good to go
1: yeah that sounds really easy and it, it is um from memory it is the second unicorn status startup in australia isn't it
0: yeah it is obviously the first being alassian which is now based in the us but canva has still has its roots in sydney right in surrey hills actually so there you go
1: yeah um so what were you talk? Were were you gonna tell us about the founder's story uh, about melanie
0: i mean i don't want to go too into it. there's like a lot of um like i guess videos or um podcasts around it but I mean the small the the, basically the beginning of it was um I I just the only thing I want to really point out mainly is she never really actually like it's not one of the situations where she went for like an accelerator or like an incubator or whatever like it was literally like she needed to raise some money and then it was a story of actually a bit of luck where I think she bought a one way ticket to the US to meet this one investor. And if that one investor didn't invest in a company, she would have had to come back with no money. So, like, it was just like some really potluck that I think she's mentioned herself on a podcast I was listening to um, around a few months ago. And I found out, like, pretty interesting how a lot of these older startups, uh, I'm not saying their ca- campus too old, but their situations of when they raise their money is so wild versus like how you raise money these days or how you achieve growth these days where it's a lot more structured mm. yeah but if if you have any insights on the story feel free to definitely talk about it if you have anything other interesting points
1: um well i remember reading about how um i i actually just want to talk about canva as a product itself yeah it has a very um so apart from the easy to design uh, mm-hmm. functionalities it also has a marketplace So a marketplace where I guess you can submit your artwork and your illustrations for the users on the platform to use. It also has really interesting features, like um, you can just build a banner, like Mm. a Facebook banner, Twitter banner, just from like, it will provide all the sizes for you. And more interestingly, it has a built-in grid. So like when you align, like for the designers out there, when like, it's really annoying when when you're trying to align certain stuff. Mm. So it's a very uh, user-centric kind of tool that it has is, made it a lot of people's lives a lot easier.
0: It it does. And, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a user of both Adobe software as well as Canva. And when you need to do quick projects on Canva, it's just so much easier than just going to Adobe, to be honest. And I just like how Canva just simplifies everything. Like, I mean... There are certain things, obviously, Adobe still would never, like, lose to Canva in, especially, like, for example, graphic designers. Um, But I find the strategy of Canva is just, like, the whole simple, like, being, like, it's just so intuitive. Like, it's the whole concept around someone who's only a cafe wants to create, like, a few designs. As you mentioned yourself, like... They already have all the social media dimensions. You you don't have to Google it. It's really intuitive. It's all about the user experience and user interface, right? Whilst Adobe is more like you really need to take lessons or you really need to look up tutorials to do anything. Like, it's honestly pretty confusing. But once you do know it, you do get the power of using, for example, Adobe Photoshop or Illustrator. But the differences are very, very, like... You you can definitely see the differences.
1: Mm. And I also heard um, just internally the the working culture is quite flat. So every team, they... Will have a go in the days working very like well that was like I heard a story in the last year so it could have changed mm. while growing, yeah. but it has. It seems like they have kept the structure quite flat and they're working smaller teams, mm. like so each squad has a very specific goal for. Ah, oh, okay, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, just just very interesting how to see how it's um its ability to keep agile while growing so fast
0: the whole lean process right like i mean that's that's awesome to hear especially because we're in aussie and i'm aussie you are now living in australia (laughs) and we get to see a local grown startup still growing humongously and keeping lean methods and still sitting in sydney
1: i I gotta tell you the interview process is really hard
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I would think they would have a pretty hard interview process
1: right yeah, it was like um, I think their lead recruiter at the time was um, was from Google, like Google mm. background. And yeah. so in the first round of just imagine any the the first round of um, like HR interviews, they are asking you all all these like hardcore detailed questions about your job. Right.
0: You're like,
1: oh, isn't isn't this like the final? Shouldn't be in the final round? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That that sounds like a, I mean, a company like Canva or even evenlassian would do like a very hard recruitment rounds, but so let's let's move on from Canva. So I really want to kind of look into maybe some... I mean, Canva is a pretty unique startup that it's in the graphic kind of like design space. There's not many startups in that space these days. Mm. I, but obviously a big field that um, I guess that be kind of really got big was in like in tw- the 08s or 09s and then the early 10s. Like you're ride-sharing, your on-demand services and... Obviously, a lot of you know that Airbnb and Uber are two big ones that came from the GFC. But there was actually one that actually came out um, that you might not have heard of if you're based outside of Asia, and that's called Grab. Um, so Grab's an interesting one. I think it... I just want to talk a bit of a small story about, like, why Grab got founded, right? I mean, the Grab initially got founded. The two co-founders, um, Anthony Tan and Tan Hoi Ling, I think that's how you say his name, they were basically pursuing the, an MBA at um, Harvard Business School, and they won a college project and bagged $25,000. And that was the initial fund that brought them to think about, okay, you know what? They wanted to do a ride-hailing company because Southeast Asia transport is hectic, right? If you've been to Southeast Asia, you know how extreme the traffic can be, right? I mean, it's insane there. So that was the start of Grab, right?
1: Was, uh, when was Grab founded? Was it also at the back of uh, GFC?
0: it wasn't it was founded in 2012 and mm. you know what's the scariest thing is i think if uber managed to expand a lot quicker because when uber hit um southeast asia it was about the same time and grab just started like and just to hear that right it's insane because uber around that time was already really big and grab was just a small southeast asia company started mm. by in singapore by these two malaysians like it's insane how now Grab is worth $14 billion and managed to kick out Uber from expanding into Southeast Asia, right?
1: Uh, just on the uh, topic of this, um, I guess sharing that's in a sharing economy kind of a realm. Yeah. Uh, when Uber first entered into the China market, it was also mm. competing with, I guess, the local um, Didi. I yeah, guess Didi. we mentioned it in another. It, was also, it also got kicked out. Yeah. So I mean, it could be a strategy play where. You know, in Asia, you wanted to uh, dominate so many places, but you just you don't you don't have the go-to-market strategy to do it or have the mm. right resources. Yeah, just I, repeated in the in both countries.
0: Yeah, I find it pretty interesting because you know, like obviously, you have Uber expanding into other countries successfully, like especially in Europe. I find just because Europe can is a lot closer to the cultures you see an America versus, at least like Westernized cultures, versus an Asian culture, which is completely different. And the story of like the value proposition Grab gave over Uber, like the whole local knowledge, being able to bring in cultural expertise and just the understanding of the local market just won them over, right? And I find that pretty interesting, like just having that knowledge. And I don't get why Uber didn't like think of a better strategy. And all Uber did really was come into the market and just try to spend money and try to like offer incentives. But Grab was like super like smart about it. Like they gave more customized service. They knew that the whole culture and value systems was really important in Southeast Asia. And they really focused on like, um, bringing in. So if in obviously in Asia, like I think I'm not sure in China, China's probably not China and Korea, are probably the, the two countries that don't swing to mind here, but the rest of Asia is big on cash, right? Mm. like they all use cash even Japan still uses a lot of cash like and Uber I think didn't respect that um, bit and didn't bring it in until 2015 whilst Grab knew that cash was super big and in order to use the app a lot of people just wanted to use cash or the drivers just wanted cash right and so they had that implemented and it's still there right now if you use it in 2020 right and that's a really important thing they did and the second thing they did really really well was the whole Grab bike like we all know, Southeast Asia is incredible to travel around, but it's just you're sitting in a taxi for like an hour because you can't get from A to B. And with Grab introducing bikes, it's amazing. Like I, I I've been on a Grab bike; it's actually really
1: fun.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so and I think the last, obviously, nail in the coffin was mainly the whole Uber like PR crisis. Oh my, that, that was insane. Do, do you know? Do you remember the PR crisis that Uber had?
1: Uh, was it was it about the. The identity of the drivers. Was that the um, crisis, or which which one, which crisis are you talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of crises. That's pretty funny, actually. That you view it that way. I think the main PR crises that it had were the main problems it had with um, driver not driver abuse, but driver um, treatment. And the other, the second thing is like the whole Uber controversy around like not only Travis, but also. Um, the JFK Kennedy Airport incident where the airport, I think, was going on strike, but Uber decided to capitalize on the moment by... Oh, sorry, taxi drivers went on strike. But Uber decided to capitalize on the moment and provide Uber drivers to try to capitalize on people trying to get out of the airport. But the taxi drivers are meant to do it as, like, a stance of, like, a strike, right? So they, they, like, just racked up all this bad PR and, in the end, like, I think that that just contributed to them leaving the market. Hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Grab's an interesting one. If you haven't checked it out, like especially if you're using Uber or like all our other ones, like definitely check it out. But um, kind of moving on to that, so you did mention like Didi, right? It's a pretty big Chinese startup that obviously expanded to show But what? But are there any other Chinese startups that are interesting in your mind?
1: Um, so, well, we're gonna talk about DJI today, aren't we? So it's yes. the, um
0: I'll segue you into It, it stands it,
1: you know? for Ta um, <laughs> da, um, Jiang Innovation. So that's the full, full name. What does that of mean? It. I don't know what it means. <laughs> you know what it means. Okay. It but you just, said it so confidently. It, so I was it like. Just, might... <laughs> it's just the name. It's like when uh, okay, it got a translated. So it starts with DJI. I guess it's kind of like how it's normally said. Yeah. Um, so this company was brought to my attention like a. Few years ago, when uh, one of my friends came to visit, and mm. he he has a drone, and okay, he was yeah. like, I was like, oh, what? This looks so cool. What is it? And he mm. said, you don't know what it is. <laughs> I was like, oh. Um, Wait, you did not know what a drone was? No, no, I didn't know. He explained to me, this is uh, DJI and all got, that. Got, got, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know the brand. And then he's because he's studying in uh, in Germany, yeah. and then then he act like I am some ignorant. You know, like lack yeah. of knowledge. Yeah. Kind of person. <laughs> that was like, Oh, okay. Um so I got I guess it actually got really big in Europe mm. as well, the brand. So yeah. That interesting. Ha- d- have you heard so, of the I um do you have a drone or that kind of stuff? I
0: don't, but I have a GoPro and I know when I was buying my GoPro, like I noticed DJI like because obviously it's like in a way competitive GoPro. Mm-hmm. um so i did notice that definitely because i was actually kind of focused i was kind of interested in buying a drone for like bringing it for travel reasons and taking good shots but mm-hmm. obviously you can't do that right now with covid19 um when was it founded
1: so um it was founded in 2006 uh oh, by okay. frank frank Wong, and the founder story involves uh, d- like dom dom stories like dom mm. room story it- it's funny like every startup um I don't know, Asian startups involve some kind of a dorm, um, <laughs> apartment or like instant noodles. And then instant every, noodles. That's what <laughs> and I And every, though. um, yeah, cause they, it was usually at the start, it's the struggles, and they, they will tell you how yeah. struggling it was. It always involves some stories about, um, free meals of instant noodles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, back to, um, DJI. So mm. it was founded, um, in 2006 yeah, and it was first evaluated. Like it was first in its first round of. Um, it, it's not just a unicorn; it's a flying unicorn. <laughs> what's,
0: a, what's a flying unicorn?
1: Because <laughs> it's a drone, it can fly. Oh,
0: oh my god! I yeah. can't believe I I didn't okay. think about that.
1: <laughs> so the um, it hasn't been valued for a while now, but the latest valuation is at fifteen billion.
0: Wow, and there you go. And
1: also, it is looking at a... It's currently sharing a market... It, its current market share in a, in a global market is 75%.
0: Wow, that's huge. I mean, it's like, yeah, if you buy drones, like, you obviously know DJI. Like, it's a... Like, when I was in that section at JB Hi-Fi, like, and I was looking at... I mean, JB Hi-Fi is an electric store, for those who don't know. And I was looking at, like, my GoPro, like, oh, like surrounding it was just DJI drones.
1: <laughs> mm. uh, speaking of uh, GoPro and DJI, did you know they were actually partners once? really yeah so it was in a, <laughs> like a long time ago they were actually gonna partner to you know for a drone to fly and yeah camera. Oh camera right, so right. when when uh, gopro first started it was really proud of its um like the the most successful campaign it had was with athletes right so it right. had a the emotion camera and um so that was it that was its key strengths and right. dji had the DJI had a drone, so mm. they were meant to um, collab and go to market together in 2014. Mm. And then later, uh, GoPro decided to go off on its own. Yeah. And Karma hit; it didn't it launched its first drone. It didn't really go well. Mm-hmm. Um, it had to call back. So, but DJI didn't release um, its motion camera until I think one year ago. Right. It was so it was, but. A very interesting thing here is GoPro has set its vision just on, I guess, the athlete's market and more Mm -hmm. on the marketing um, side of things, whereas DJI has set its eyes on both the commercialization Mm. of the drone as well as the consumer market. So it it really shows, I guess, how important the vision is when you first Mm. started. uh, Like, your startup vision determines how big you're gonna go
0: it's so true like right? everyone talks about like you need division right i mean the short term is obviously important but you, you, in, like not only investors but everyone needs to know where your startup's heading right and is it going to head into clouds or is it like just going to be a small startup focused on smb like it's as you said vision is so important
1: mm.
0: yeah so i kind of want to hit off like the last startup as like i kind of want to do a small one because we kind of been talking about pretty big ones like the ones that are kind of like your I mean, Canvas is kind of still very small in a sense, but still hitting that three-bill mark or four-bill mark is still pretty big. But I wanted to talk about another local growing one in Australia that just recently hit, like, around their first bill mark. And that's called, and that startup's called Airwallex. Now, have you heard of Airwallex?
1: I have heard of Airwallex. What do they do?
0: So Airwallex, um, their, their whole proposition is, like, offering global transactions without needing to, like, pay so many fees or set up so many bank accounts across the world, especially if you're doing international transactions. So the story about their startup was focused around whole... So it's really interesting. The founders owned a cafe. So yes, they went from cafe to tech conglomerate, but they were founded a cafe and the whole pain point they had was importing coffee from Hong Kong and China, mm. right? They're hopping, they're doing a lot of stuff and they're making payments of traditional like banks and Western Union. And they found, like, the costs were so expensive and they were, like, astounded, like, how dumb this was, this whole process. And so they decided to start Airworks ba- ba- uh, back of that um, problem, right? And so they hope, p- like, obviously, as I mentioned, their whole focus is to build a global finance financial network for your companies, especially if you're doing, like, international importing or international business, right?
1: Mm.
0: So, yeah, I find it pretty interesting. Um, they actually is Australia's fastest unicorn. So they started in twenty fifteen so very, very recently, only a few years ago right, and they've already raised three hundred and sixty two million dollars and they already okay yeah, and they raised a hundred million last month as well, which is their biggest raise
1: cool um how do do you know anything about their growth strategy, like what are their targeting, and what's so interesting about their product comparing to the other um i guess PayPal, Stripe, that's also handling international transactions?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I haven't had a brief knowledge around this. So Stripe, I mean, Stripe and PayPal is super simple, right? You can implement their API into your payment gateway and then it's pretty much it, right? But the problem with it is the fees, right? Their value proposition is having no monthly fees, free AUD and overseas multi-currency business accounts. So that's already a big value um, proposition because in order to open business accounts overseas, it's quite expensive. And the biggest thing is, they, I mean, they claim is you're, they're saving up to ninety percent versus um, using a bank's um, transaction fee. So, like, or using international suppliers and then going through a bank. So, the whole value proposition is their ability to cost save for you. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the biggest thing. And I think, to be honest, like looking at how international business goes, and me, I've used Stripe before, Stripe before, and it can rack up humongously. Like, some, the fifty percent of The talks between like SaaS companies or like SaaS groups, when I when I look at it, is the financial part. Like the fees are expensive. How can I reduce this? That's a common question, right? And so they managed to actually hit a very big pain point. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So yeah, but I think like they definitely still have a lot of um, things to go. I think they didn't. They haven't really. The hundred million they um, they raised recently is to expand into the US and Europe. Um, I noticed actually they were hiring like a head of growth for UK and EU recently. Just randomly Googled it um, recently. But yeah, so they're trying to expand globally. I think it's going to be pretty hard. I think they managed to make a presence in Asia, but I think it's going to be really hard to hit like a country like US.
1: Mm. Well, um, I I guess global expansion is a very good way to quickly scale.
0: It is. Mm. And I personally think their way of expanding into like a country like US is offering local Asia expertise because a lot of US companies also struggle to grow into Asia, right? A lot of them actually leave um, because they just don't know how to expand to in Asia because Asia is a very difficult um, region to expand to. And so I think if they offer that, that might be a big, big plus. Mm. So yeah. But yeah, so that wraps up our four startups. I hope at least you haven't heard of one or you just didn't know some of the facts that we spoke about for one of them. Um, Is there anything else you want to end with, Lucy?
1: uh no that's that's all that all sounds really cool i love to see how these startups and unicorns grow further
0: yeah i'm super excited especially the aussie ones go aussie anyway hope you've enjoyed our podcast and see you next time